and welcome back to another episode of On Repeat with me, Ellie Rashid. And me, Hattie Winter. And can you believe it, Ellie? It's our final episode of 2020. Absolute madness. Absolute madness. (laughs) Yes, totally mad it's gone so quickly and today's show really does feature the perfect end of year mm. or i guess end of season guest as we are speaking to fable aka holly and holly is a musician artist songwriter and basically all-round wonder woman who's using her platform to talk about the mental health charity my black dog as well as obviously give us some amazing music and i think i can speak for both of us when i say we love speaking to fable she's wonderful warm and has a lot to say and we definitely touch on some perfect end of your anecdotes and thoughts to take forward to 2021 but it almost felt like we'd known her for ages because she was just such an easy guest mm-hmm. so interesting and really just well within our philosophy of keeping a colorful mix of genres she's got influences from like trip hop electronica and post-punk she also burst onto the scene about a little while ago about 2014 was it mm, yeah and yeah, she was worked with the likes of Orbital, Block Party and Archive. Indeed. And Fabled has built a reputation as the one of the UK's most intriguing musical prospects with widespread acclaim from places like Mixmag, Line of Best Fit, to The Guardian, Q Magazine and Rolling Stone. But she did actually vanish from view in 2016 after a personal tragedy, which resulted in a four year hiatus from music. And this is something that we do talk about um, because she disappeared after yeah, a personal tragedy and then has gone on to work with My Black Dog which is a mental health charity. Um, and I, I think that part of the conversation was amazing. I think it's also really topical if you think um, Jessie from Little Mix just announced that she mm. was stepping down from her role. And I think it's so important that everyone really takes care of their mental health, not, not only if you're a, an artist or a musician, but every single person. And I'm really glad to hear that people are feeling that they can, can take a step back, take some time out for themselves and then come back whenever they feel ready, but in a better and more stronger place. So, you know, I think it's amazing that we spoke about that with Fable. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a really that's a really good point, Hattie, actually. I was watching that uh, Jesse Nelson episode last night mm. and you're right, it is such a reminder. And with Fable speaking to us about mental health, how important that is, especially for this year. And yeah, like we said, this is just a brilliant note to end on, you know, looking after ourselves. But uh, fortunately, um, Fable is now back. back so <laughs> she is back and having reconnected with herself and her creativity and releasing some seriously exciting music, um, we've actually linked her single Thirsty in our show notes and Instagram bio. Yeah, I love Thirsty. I've had it on repeat. I think it's amazing. It's so fun. It's so cool. I think that. I mean, it just really represents her. She's so fun and so cool. She's the sort of person that I'm like, I wish we spoke to her in real life so we could have like a cup of tea and a glass of wine because she's just got such a good head on her shoulders and she's just great. I love this interview. I think it's super honest. It's full of brilliant ideas to take forward into, you know, the end of this year and for the next one and hopefully 2021 will be better for everyone. And and yeah, I predict really big things for Fable. I think she's got a very, very bright future ahead of her so if you want to keep up with fable you can check her out on instagram and on facebook her handle is who is fable and you can also check out my black dog which is online at myblackdog.co 
Um, you know, we are going to be breaking up for Christmas, giving ourselves a little festive break. So do keep showing the love and send us in reviews, ratings. They really, really help people find us. We really appreciate it. And we do actually read every single one. So, you know, keep them coming. It would be a brilliant Christmas present to us. And um, we couldn't have had uh, a better conversation, I think, to end this 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 madness of 2020 um you know talking about things that really matter and uh i think it sets a nice a nice line for for the new year as well so sit back relax and keep it on repeat (laughs) with fable everybody Thank you so much for um, for coming to speak to us. This is really, really exciting. And I know that uh, we were talking, well, you guys were talking a little bit about age earlier. You said you're 25. Yes, 25, quarter of a century. I'm 25 next week. And I feel like looking at everything you've done kind of puts me to shame. Oh my goodness. Honestly, mate, it doesn't feel like any of it's really... Um, like real at this point in time to be honest um like after after the the massive break um from music that I had um Mm. a few years ago I think all of that stuff like before the break kind of feels like some weird wishy-washy dream that just like I was sort of like running through my life doing these things and then like sort of uh kind of ended up having this little sort of breakdown when my ex-girlfriend died and then just sort of went okay right get back to reality do some really boring real jobs and like figure out what life is like without music and how much you fucking hate it and then come back to music with this kind of like real need and passion like reignited for it again yeah amazing what talk us talk us through then talk us through uh like your journey then like from like where did it start so you where did you grow up so I grew up in Devon um like I come from quite like a my parents are like working typical like working class household like I've got no brothers and sisters so I guess I was the sort of only child left to sort of like stew in my own imagination for years and uh, like become some weird person but um yeah, my dad was like a gigging musician when when uh, I was young. Oh, cool. Um, and he worked a day job as well, but that was always like always his passion. What did he What did he do? Was he like a Did he play an instrument? Yeah, was he was he a drummer. Singer? He was a drummer in a band, and he was a singer also. Like at the same time as playing the drums, so I was like, wow, that's like I'm really I looked up to him so much. I was like, wow, you're like my total hero, and like obviously that sort of like worms its way into your psyche from quite a young age as to sort of what you want to what your yeah what your passion is and like my mom's a care worker so she's quite you know she's quite like down to earth and and I guess like I just haven't really come from like a music industry family um so yeah and no, I think I got a real taste for music from like going to my dad's band rehearsals when I was like five years old and I had my little ear protectors on and I'd be like oh, sort of like so bopping along and kind of going oh man this is like got energy like this is like totally better than anything I've experienced before. Oh that's lovely. So when, when did you realise music was your thing then? I guess through I, I did like ballet when I was a little kid so like oh, no movement. Way. 
movement and dance and like expressing and that all kind of like came quite organically together like through that sort of medium of like here's a stage this is what a stage is do you like this setup like and um I did I just it just became sort of like the truest part of me and like a sort of space that I could communicate stuff that I couldn't communicate in other realms of my life like in school or in like conversations with like people in day-to-day situations like it was sort of a a space where it's like a safe space where you can sort of explore different things and um yeah so I ended up sort of following that sort of path of uh like entered like loads of talent shows and I was like 10 and like did the whole like did the whole like kind of classic thing that people do that don't come from an, a music industry involved mm. family where I guess your only insight into the industry is through television yeah. and totally agree sort of programs like the x factor and the voice <laughs> and the rest of it and like so I ended up I ended up entering the voice when I was like 16 and I got through to like the televised rounds of it oh my god that must have been intense it was so intense, man. I actually like I thought in the moment, like this is really what I I I need and I want and I pinned all my hopes on this thing. Um and I was it, I was at the point I was just about to go and do my A levels. I didn't really fancy the idea of carrying that forward or doing any of that. So this was almost like, oh my god, there's like a door of escapism that I could like run through yeah. and I could just like do that and everything would be fine, right? So I enter the voice. I don't, I don't get through the televised rounds. I go through this kind of like existential crisis when I was like 16 of like, okay, everything I've built my hopes upon is not going to happen. Yeah. I guess that was the sort of start of like my kind of like figuring out what else I wanted to do with music. It wasn't, it wasn't the fact that I wanted to be some famous person. I just really enjoyed singing. I just really enjoyed the act of like sort of, you know, just, just, just communicating something and, and, and being that. Um, and I guess, I guess it's difficult. I mean, looking back at it now, I really feel like my parents wanted the best for me in doing that. But at the same time, I don't think they really understood what taking that on at such a young age kind of does to you as, as a, as a person and kind of how you feel in your soul about like what, what that does to your self-esteem at such a young age but I was so determined I was like hey man I'm just gonna like crack on and continue gigging because I was like still gigging I was doing like holiday parks and um just sort of like just just performing as much as I could and trying to make trying to make some money out of it really on a on quite a bread and butter level because I kind of realized that that's kind of how my dad ended up buying his house and he he sort of worked, he worked really hard in the sort of gigging industry with it. Uh, never really made it to the big time, but I thought, okay, that's cool. I can live with that. I can live with that as something I can do that I enjoy, that I can basically be paid to play. Um, and that was great. That was perfect. Um, but then I ended up getting a call from um a bloke who lived in Brighton who ended up being my my manager, my current manager, who had watched The Voice, uh, the first season of that 
and got in contact with me on Twitter. It was it was one of those moments oh when gosh. when you're watching yourself on the internet on on the telly and you then search your name on the internet because you're 16 and you're like, oh my god, this is the most bonkers thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, I'm obviously going to search my name, which is a terrible idea. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would do the same though. <laughs> but it worked out because I found Andy and I I researched who he was and I found out that he worked for Parlophone and that he'd uh, managed uh, quite a lot of acts and other bits and bobs. And I like he came down actually to I was I was so young at the time. Honestly, I was 16. I was living with my parents. And he came down to our family home and came and had like pizza and chips with us and was like, hey, man, I've got some really interesting contacts. I've like been in the industry for a while. How about you come up to Brighton, find a place to stay? And we we kind of work through because I, I believe in you. He was like, I believe in you, man. I really love what you do. Yeah. And I see your potential and you're so young. Like, let's just throw you in with some writers and um just kind of like tease out what the potential of your like artistry. Um, so I ended up like writing, doing sessions with lots of different kinds of producers. And I ended up doing uh, this session with this band called Archive, who I really clicked with. They, they're massive in Europe, actually, Archive, but I don't think the UK market really sort of got them um I think they're quite experimental and quite different they've got a lot of different singers that sing on their album um and I I ended up doing an EP with them and this was also when you were like 16 this is when I was about 17 I just moved up to Brighton so I was yeah I was still so fucking young I was so young man I didn't know what I was what I was doing but I think through just like being given the opportunity to to write with older musicians and people that had worked with lots of lots of different people um it kind of gave me a real insight into songwriting from that level not just sort of tampering around on my own but like kind of looking watching other people's uh kind of processes and kind of getting uh getting an understanding of like how I see myself within that so I think that was really the kind of foundation of how my kind of career sort of I think you probably dodged a bullet by not getting further um, on the voice. Mm -hmm. I think it was probably a good thing. Um, We're speaking to somebody else about this because I'm from actually a really similar background. My mum's like a civil servant. My dad's a builder. And I think I remember Googling like auditions like near me because <laughs> I don't, how are you supposed to find out like how the industry works? Yeah. If you have no. Such like, a locked box. If you're not. Yeah. You haven't got a, a trail into it, you know? Yeah. There's just like breadcrumbs around and you'd see occasional kind of open calls, but I had no idea how it worked. But I definitely think that they don't, they don't really prepare you for like what it's kind of like in there's obviously they want you to be a certain type of person so you probably wouldn't have become or be making the music you're making now mm-hmm. if you were in that way because I I mean obviously I, I didn't get as far as getting to the televised versions but I imagine they have an idea of what they want their pop star to look and sound like and I don't know if it is like the kind of more experimental kind of sounds that you were working with which obviously you've kind of stayed with which I think is really, really interesting to listen to. I don't know if you'd be able to do that. They set it up in a very limited sense, don't they? They kind of go, right, you're the singer. 
you're not going to be yeah. playing any instruments you're just going to be yeah. you know you're just going to be at the front of that and um and yeah you feel yeah you feel really limited in that and I think like through my experiences it's allowed me to see what on earth I could become because like yeah within that I'd kind of I'd kind of already um I'd already been bored of that idea um of of being your standard sort of um sort of pop pop singer um yeah and yeah. I think I think a lot of my influences are sort of taken from sort of 90s female vocalists like you know Gwen Stefani and Skunk and Nancy and like Porter's Head Beth Gibbons um that sort of slightly left field left field thing that isn't that I just couldn't I felt so alienated in that kind of like in the I don't know in the way that the industry was at the time in sort of around about 2000 and 2009 2011 around that sort of time I feel like the 20s man I think we're moving into a really like a uh, different time for music um I think it's like the boundaries of everything is all blurred like jazz and hip-hop and 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 rock and like all these things are coming together like I don't know if you've heard of an artist recently that I love uh called Bob Villain yes no I haven't yes. tell me more he's wicked man he's like he kind of like mixes like heavy metal and punk with like drill and trap and like just sort of like merges all these like countercultures together like total opposites and like I think yeah I think we're just entering like a different well we're entering a different decade so it's obviously got to have a different flavor to the one previous it's really it's really exciting I love it <laughs> do you have any predictions or are you oh my gosh the catches fell do you are you going to be like working in a certain sort of genre or sphere going going forward do you know what mate I don't actually know I'm at the moment the album that I'm writing is um it's kind of it's very polarized in its styles like you've kind of got this slight I mean I love I love vocalists like Amy Winehouse and Etta James and like some of that vocal style kind of comes out in my records quite a lot but also the like harshness and angularness of like rock music and like kind of like combining those two sort of soft and soft and jagged like together I think like a lot of my music is is quite contradictory which is kind of why I find it really like jarring and difficult to write with certain producers because I think they wanted me to be either pop or this or that or whatever and yeah just like no it's just like no (laughs) you want to do a little bit of everything yeah yeah I just want to integrate like stuff that I love I think I think that's wonderful. I think and also, you know, I, I also can relate to both of you about the voice thing as well, because I didn't come from a musical family. And when you have that, you really are figuring out things for yourself. And maybe that's better in some ways, you know, but definitely the voice and X factor, those kind of things remind me of being pretty restricted and confined to a genre or an image. And like you say, times are changing. And I think, I feel like the future of music is something that mashes really contrasting styles. Like you were saying about your new stuff that is kind of uh, like soft, but also quite angular in a way. I feel like that is actually like, that's really cool. <laughs> like I really like that. And um 
we've we've spoken to some of our guests about this because I'm really interested in genres and merging different genres and sort of almost eliminating genre hierarchies because I do think they exist. And if that's something that happens in the future and we end up labeling playlists differently. So for example, we were saying like you could have a playlist called Lost in the Woods. Yeah, organizing stuff through lyrics is something I find really interesting as well. So if I'm like trying to find find new music on Spotify, um, like the way I, I kind of uh, beat the algorithm with it is to search like lyrical stuff. So search like a lyrical theme or a word or something and that has an attitude. That's clever. And then just find all the songs that kind of like have that sentiment. That's a really interesting yes. way of using Spotify and trying to like beat what the algorithm thinks about you already. I never thought about that. That's so good. It's my boyfriend came up with it. I'm not going to take any, <laughs> any fucking- Any credit. Like, yeah, any credit. No, I'm not going to take any credit. It's totally his thing. He's like the musical generator. He finds all this amazing music and I'm like sort of shrouded in it. It's great. But going, going back to the point of um, like music kind of like being less, less tied to genres um, than it was a few years ago. I don't know if that's anything to do with the fact that the industries sort of like moved from major labels and it being quite a limited industry to people like self um self-publishing and and putting stuff on their own labels and then just kind of like being able to network that online themselves and I think because because of that sort of shift in the structure of the industry you've kind of got an allowance for more more creativity Mm. yeah Mm. more fun yeah more fun more fun yeah Bring it on, bring it on, roll on the future. So if you had to put your um, your music into any of those kind of like categories, if you had to, if you have to do this, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, would you, what would you put it into? Would you label it? Um, would you sort of, what kind of lyrics would you have or what color might you have or where might you be? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I kind of like, um, I think a lot of my lyrics are a little bit like esoteric and a bit um, kind of like talking about issues that aren't like your standard love song or sort of kind of like more like issues about like, you know, the planet and where we're at and humanity and all this like lofty bollocks that I love chatting about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, I don't know. I don't know. I think like that's really interesting that you said about colours as well with like the the labeling of stuff because it's moods isn't it it's almost like that synesthetic thing of like yeah like mm. different different colors of songs and how that make, makes you feel um does your album have a color i think each yeah. single i think each single definitely has a color i think um like the first single was thirsty i don't know if you've heard any of it yet or um yeah yeah, I was listening to it before. Oh, it, cool! It, yeah. It's interesting you say about having lots of like influences and in sounds because I was like, it reminds me of this. It sounds like this. You said Porter's Head, and I was like, yes, it had a Porter's Head feeling yes. to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe maybe from being from Bristol, I was like, I know Porter's Head like the back of my hand. It was like this sort of trip hop, yes, sound, but not. I was mm-hmm. like, this is it's. It was really nice. It was also a really good music video because. I don't oh, know about wicked. you, but I'm excited to see music videos now. I think a lot of music videos have been kind of. I don't know, like downplayed. I don't know yeah. if I really see like fresh, fresh and cartoons, cartoons as well. That's yeah. something that's been happening a lot during but, lockdown. But even that, I really like because it just seems like, I don't know. It seems like there's a, 
I don't know, there's something like really fun and people have really like tried with it. And yeah, it's yeah. and I don't know, rather than seeing like I don't know, maybe it's because I'm just sick of seeing like Zoom adverts, you know, on television. Ah. So it's really nice to see like music videos that have been like filmed and made and there's like production value. I think that's what it is. It's that's really it. That's that's totally what I was trying to achieve with that one as well, because I was so bored of like music videos being so abstract and about like some character and it's all like unrelated to whatever's happening in the music. I just wanted this to be like a total representation mm. of the song's energy, like as you would perform it live. And like, I love that about old sort of nineties music videos, like, yeah. like no doubt videos, for example, they were also like upfront and like blink one eight two and bands like that. Just like yeah. I miss that kind of uh, like attitude in, in performing it in the video and like, yeah, just have fun with it, man. Like that's what I wanted to do in the first single of this album was to just like throw away all like preconceptions about like lofty ideas and just have a riot, basically. Yes. I loved it. Was that filmed like not recently? Oh, mate, I've got lockdown, the... or was it? <laughs> I've got the funniest story about that film actually, about it about the process of filming it even. Um it was I don't know if you remember in August, or was it July? I think we had like the hottest day in London on record. It was about 42 degrees. Mm. Um, and I planned this video to be shot in latex. So there's like a scene in that, there's a scene in that video, right? Oh. Where I'm, I'm, the reality, it looks really glamorous, but the reality of that was I was the only female on set. I had a public toilet, well, a, a public toilet, what, one of the toilets in the building to change in. So the process of this was like to lube myself up with KY jelly, even though it was like 42 degrees, to try and like slip myself into a latex outfit and then like actually dance and sing in real time in 40 degree heat when the top of the roof was made out of like some kind of metal like oh my god oh my god mate it was about 42 degrees in the room and I think at one point I I sweated so much that I ended up slipping on the, the puddle of my own sweat that I'd created under me oh <laughs> and I was, and on, my, I was on my ass I was on my ass I was on my ass <laughs> it wasn't good Um, actually, thinking about like the video and live gigs, it's probably a good segue into performing because obviously this year has had no live gigs, as we all know. But um, I'd love to talk about what you do for your live shows. I've seen a couple of snippets online and there's lots of uh, like costume and like stage jewellery and makeup, which is really fun. So I'd love to find out more about how you put that together, really. I guess I kind of just... Um... I've got a little dressing up box um, that I refer to in my house that's got all kinds of strange sort of items in it. And I think more than anything, it's just like peacocking. Like, um, <laughs> I think I, I just love to be extravagant and like expressive mm. on stage, almost like a drag show would be, you know? Yes. It's almost like I mm. kind of like take on this character that's like a little bit larger than life and who's slightly more brave than I am. And, um, like I'm able in that sort of space to like, I don't know, just like act out stuff that I would never normally do in my real life. Um, which is just loads of fun. And just like, I just love, I just miss people so much. This lockdown has been horrific and just like not being able to like 
just jump at people from the stage and just like have a little sweaty cuddle or something like halfway for a gig or like I just miss that connection so much and like that's the most important thing about the live shows is just like just connecting with whoever's there and like just giving it some welly um, mm, definitely do you have like a favorite live show memory uh probably Glastonbury mate I um I ended up like out of it's really strange because I mean like I was pretty like unknown as an artist I was an independent artist and no one really knew of me I had an excellent manager who um who kind of had a lot of contacts and was able to kind of like put me in these situations so we played we played Glastonbury and amazingly like we had an audience considering Adele was on at the same time as we were on uh, which is like what you pray wow. not to happen but um <laughs> amazingly like we had a really good reception from that gig and I think that was like the moment of like kind of going oh man I'm like yeah I'm I'm doing it I'm doing I'm doing what I love in like a place that I've always I've, I've always gone to Glastonbury like my parents are massive hippies so I've always come to Glastonbury and just like that first year of performing there man it was just like kind of like a completing a cycle you know it was that sort of mm. feeling of of like yeah man this is what I want to do for the rest of my life um I'm really I'm enjoying hearing about like your your sort of music sort of philosophy and also your journey and one bit of your journey that kind of um struck me and it reminded me actually when we we're talking about lyrics um I think I remember googling some kind of like lonely like lyrics during lockdown on Spotify and Black Dog came up and I think that Arlo Park song is a real kind of like song of this year for for mental health um as well and then I've obviously realized that your you are an ambassador for Black Dog. Mm. My Black so, Dog, yeah. Did you like the link there that I tried I to do? I loved that. It was the most tedious thing ever. Really well. It was amazing. It was, it was my, dys my dyslexic brain was going. <laughs> but yeah, no, tell us about that. Like, how did that then come about um, with with everything after the music? You said you took a little break. Yeah, and I, I took a little break from music because I... I was at a really shitty point with my mental health a few years ago. Like I was, I was living in uh, this shared house in Brighton that was kind of full of people that weren't conducive to like being very well, like mentally. Like I was like, you know, I was living hand to mouth. I was, I was a pizza delivery driver in the evenings and I was like, uh, just trying to write music in the daytime. And I, a few months uh, later after that all began, I lost my ex-girlfriend and I kind of, she was going through some like really, really mad shit. Like she had a really difficult life and um, she lost her dad when she was younger and she she was going through a lot of shit, man. And I, I, I got myself caught up in trying to like sort of help her through that. And obviously you know you can only there's only so much that you can do for someone with their own struggles and you have got to take yourself away from it so I did and then the kind of guilt when I found out that she'd killed herself was like it was a lot it was a lot so I had to go I had to like fuck off for a bit and sort of like reevaluate 
like go back into my little hermit self and like reevaluate a lot of the stuff that I've been pushing back like back into my mind like um in order to sort of like handle my present situation um so yeah I think having that like break and sort of getting a normal job and being quite being quite simple and plain and 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 just sort of like getting through the day like that was so like so important um for just like yeah just getting back to grips with like reality um after all that whirlwind of like great things happening in music and like you know it was all wonderful stuff but I I just felt not quite in the headspace to to be that person at that time so yeah I had a break I met a really lovely guy um who's my current partner and we've been together for four years and like he's been like so grounding and so like we're all we're all we're both like completely fucking off our rockers but like (laughs) he's he gets me and um he's doing a philosophy course at the moment and I think like we're both like working through our shit but in like the most healthy way possible and like so yeah going back to the my black dog thing um a chap called Eddie Temple Morris who um, has been supporting me for a really long time with my music. Um, he, he's got a show on Virgin Radio. He introduced me to the organisation and um, I had a little word with them. They really sort of liked um, where I was trying to take my music with talking about mental health on different platforms and just trying to open up about stuff, man, because I feel like, like, you know we're in the age of social media everything's like so like such a facade and we're all pretending that we're fine and like I think it's just really important to like open up the conversation and like have I know everybody's doing it at the moment but it's like I think it's like a a national cleansing of ourselves in a sense like I think we need to we've had the stiff upper lip because we're British for so long like we we I think the younger generations are definitely feeling the need to sort of express what's on their mind and like it's still such a taboo thing it's still such a taboo subject even my mom was saying like oh you're doing all this stuff like you're you're talking about your personal life and your your struggles with mental health how do you think that that will affect your like career and like I'm sort of thinking oh man you're like you're coming from a different time and space right now mom like it isn't about trying to cover up your scars Mm. and like um try and be somebody that other people expect you to be it's kind of about sharing like somewhat oversharing who you are so that other people find some kind of like connection and we don't all have to feel like completely alone in our struggles and know that there's somebody else there feeling exactly the same and I think like that's the most important part of of sort of talking about this stuff so yeah so I'd like to talk about My Black Dog it's a it's a brilliant charity they are a bunch of volunteers who have been through various mental health issues in the past and they're there on the phone if you want to like just give them a call pick up the phone and and talk to somebody who's who's like had the lived experience of of struggling with their mental health instead of you know, ringing Samaritans is all, it's all good and it's great, but it's, you still feel like you're, you know, you're not, you're not being completely heard by somebody mm. who you know understands your situation. Um, and I, you know, as soon as I heard about that, I was like, man, that's such a great idea. Like we need more of that. And um, so, yeah, I kind of, I kind of uh, became an ambassador and I've been sort of like sharing my stories 
and um yeah they're doing some really really excellent things if anybody wants to go and look them up yes yeah we'll actually we'll we'll probably um we'll have a little link to that in our show notes as well that sounds amazing definitely that'd be really good um I'm just I'm kind of interested in in that idea of so people who have been through stuff themselves speaking to people going through something similar or even the same kind of thing that's um I I mean that is like you say it's amazing but also I'm just thinking about those people is that difficult to have to like relive some of that trauma and how is that managed I guess that's a really good question um I guess these volunteers are obviously you know they've they've had lived experience but that doesn't that doesn't make it any less painful to talk about Mm. these things and to bring them up but I guess it's in short bursts um and I guess that they can put in as much or as little time as they want to put in as their mental health will allow as well. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I just think that we've all got to be each other's counsellors in a sense, because there's no point in trying to divert it to, I don't know, some, you know, professionals that, you know, our stack have a list of people that are on a waiting list and they're sort of yes. waiting around to talk to somebody. It's much better to just get the conversation rolling and and yeah. to just start talking about stuff because that's the only way that I can personally order anything in my brain if I'm just thinking about it myself and I'm like left to my own devices I'll tie myself up in knots if I can linearly talk mm. it through with somebody yeah. I think that's really beneficial yeah hey you're a good talker <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think a lot of people relate to that I definitely yeah tie myself up in knots and suddenly I can't really work out where my problem kind of starts and ends and I think yeah. that, I think particularly after this year, people should realise that it's just really important to share. And I think it can, you can feel quite isolated, but I think maybe we should all realise that we're all quite isolated in a kind yeah. of sad way, but we could mm. could improve that. And it's like that old adage of like a problem shared is a problem, a problem halved. halved. But I do really do think that once you kind of say something out loud, it just really mm-hmm. takes the weight off you because you just can't. You can't keep carrying around all that. And also you can hear if it sounds stupid as well. Once you say it out loud, you can hear if, you know, if 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 what you're saying is a load of nonsense or if it's actually got some weight as well, you know? Um, exactly. I sometimes have it at work when I'm like trying to do something really like inconsequential, like a spreadsheet. And I'm like thinking about like, I'm like, oh my God, like this is, uh, and I say something to my, my boyfriend and I'm like, right, so I'm thinking of either doing it like this or like this. And then as soon as I've said it, I'm like, oh, okay, now I've said it out loud. I see that it's, I do it like that. that it's crystal clear. Sometimes then. you just yeah. need to say it. Mm-hmm. But that's really hard to do. I think you have to be very brave. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you think there's like a sort of, like a link between kind of like creativity and mental health? You have to be mm. in like a good space to create. Amazing question. Like, Great question. Um, it's very, uh, I think every song, every song that I write has like a, there's no, it's like starting from scratch again in like uh how that song was constructed so I feel like sometimes if I'm in a really dark space I think that's really cathartic to to write music I don't necessarily write lyrics when I'm in that space though because I feel a bit Mm. of a linguistic block Mm. but I find that the music is the thing that helps me I don't know it's something that I can express through sonics rather than lyrics um, at that point in time because I think it goes beyond words like the emotions that you feel like music can be the thing that can express what you can't say you know a lot of the time 
um but also um it was something that Pavarotti said actually um and it was he in order to sing because it's such a physical act um and it's so connected to you and your feeling of yourself in that moment he needed to be happy and in order to be happy he needed to always be eating so <laughs> hence, you, <laughs> hence hence you have Pavarotti you know in his whole glory um but I really connected with that I thought wow yeah in order to sing I need to be my sort of like most playful self and the, like the childlike me that is like not afraid of anything and can just like express mm. stuff because yes. if I'm in a place of like self-doubt or questioning I I sort of like suck up inside my own voice and my voice isn't open so I think like writing can be really cathartic when when you're um when you're in a sort of a bit of a darker place musically mm. but I think I get the best out of my performance and my recording when I'm in a good place. Amazing. Um, the whole time you've been speaking, uh, just well, you just you're a wonderful speaker, and I love the the things that you say and the way you say them. It's amazing, and I do wonder if you've always been this expressive because often performers kind of get that rep that. Oh, of course, like, of course you find it easy to express yourself. You're a performer, even though, you, how do you feel about that? Have you always been quite open? Have you been encouraged to be open or is it something you learn? I think so. I think my mum's always been the one to sort of um, help me express myself. Um, and I don't know, sometimes I feel really like a completely different person. Sometimes I feel really shy and introverted and like not like I want to engage with people. A lot of the time I can be quite a hermit and just like getting on with my own stuff. But then I think once I get a, a spark for something or like your question, for example, was like really interesting. So I, I feel like it kind of opens the little boxes in my mind and I can then like talk freely about stuff. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think I've always needed to express things. Um, I think like art and like visual art, I like to paint as well. And I think it's, I think it's an outlet. I just think it's an outlet for like people that have like a real sort of wild likeness inside them that they can't just like link to, uh, like, you know, nine to five job and routine and like, I just feel like that kills me. I feel like routine just like kills my vibe. Like I need, I need to be able to be inspired. And like, if I know what I'm doing every two seconds, I'm like, there's nothing to be surprised about. Therefore it's not inspiring. As, um, as a wild freelance, free spirit <laughs> musician myself, I completely relate to everything you're saying. Um, and I, I wonder as well if you get the same as, as I do when you're trying to explain to someone who doesn't have such a similar career path and you're like, yeah, I do this. And I've been called oh like God, wild yeah. or crazy or um, disorganized. Oh, yeah. D disorganized or, or somebody said recently um, they were introducing me and they said, oh, this is my friend Ellie. She's, um, 
she's really spontaneous and uh, really, you know, just sort of whatever. Like and a Victorian freak show act. Like, here yeah. she is. <laughs> Bring yeah, her out. Exactly. Watch what she does next. You never know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the kind of the, the, the sort of the entertainer or like the clown or, or something. Yeah. Whereas for me, I just see what I do and what people who do similar things to me is so normal and mm-hmm. it feels like I don't have any other option that's what I have to offer how do you feel about that with people around you do you have people around you who think that you're a bit weird or like <laughs> yeah massively or- like that's literally the archetype that everyone's decided <laughs> that I am like from school but maybe yeah. I feel like maybe digging a bit deeper into myself I think maybe that comes from like a feeling of like when I was in primary school, I was quite badly bullied and like, I don't know, just like from a quite a young age, I was like, oh man, I have to, I have to like create this show like on the outside to protect myself. I think yes. on a really oh. deep level, it's like, oh. it's like, like a, yeah, you feel, yeah, you feel me, man. I'm so glad you feel me because like, <laughs> I, really I feel me this, too. But, yeah. <laughs> but it is it's like a shell and I feel safe inside that place of um of like you know if I can make people laugh if I can entertain people then they might not look much further and they might not try and unpick my personality no yes oh I I just I just relate to everything that you're saying so much and and I wonder how many people listening would also relate whether they're now adults or even younger than that and I wonder do you have any bits of advice that you would offer to someone who was perhaps going through this at school or at university or or just in life where they feel like they kind of don't fit in and they have to develop this armor or this shield of an extrovert persona as a coping mechanism yeah I think um yeah I think it's something that a lot of people go through and yeah if you are from a young age kind of like put in the spotlight or or do you just feel like there's something different about you or you feel like for no apparent reason I don't know you don't fit in with a tribe or whatever I just say fuck it just continue (laughs) doing what you're doing and just fucking be yourself because like at the end Mm. of the day that will give you a sense of of uh authenticity like later on you're like well I mm-hmm. I was who I was true to who I said I was and I did it and you know what like you're never going to meet those people again like half the people in your life are literally transient and all the only person that you really have to live with is yourself so oh so true you sort of glide through that and you kind of come back to yourself I think like oh man my whole life like from sort of the age of about like 12 to like 21 the after age 21 my whole time has been spent like unpicking that experience of adolescence and like Mm. trying to understand that and like trying to sort of like get to grips with what I went through and like kind of undo a lot of the conditioning and the programming that other people's children put on you from school like yeah that stuff just sticks until you assess it and do some mindfulness and do some digging because that stuff like really affects like every decision you make then for the rest of your life because it decides who you are but then you have to decide who you are not who other people have decided who you are you know it's that thing 
I still have a couple of questions. Um, and one of them is, what's your favourite part in the creative process? If you have a favourite part, maybe you don't. I think the, my favourite part is actually uh, after I've written like most of the music to a track and I've got my lyrics down, um, I think my favourite part is like doing the take doing the vocal take and making it a live performance and really getting in the like character mindset of whoever I'm in, whoever I am in that song. And that like moment of like actually actualizing the emotion of the song in the studio. I feel like that's one of my favorite parts of the process. Um, and it's just so, it's such a completing feeling. Good I part. think that. Good choice. Because when you're when you're writing, it's all it's all in the poss- in the realms of possibility of what it could be. And I think in that moment, it's you are decisive and you decide what the song is in that moment. And I think, yeah, that's definitely my favorite part. Ah, hopefully more of that as well. That sounds amazing. And actually, um, how, what is your kind of writing process like? I mean, I'm working with an amazing producer at the moment called Jonas Persons. He's from Sweden. Sorry, he's in Switzerland for some reason. (laughs) He's lovely. He's like quite laid back. He's not like a pushy producer. He's quite, um, he allows me to grow the, the bones of the song before he brings his like sonic expertise to it. And I'm really lucky to have found someone like that because I've worked with a lot of producers in the past that they're quite dick heavy and they throw their weight around and they tell you what's good and what's not. Whereas Jonas is like, okay, I like, that's a very strange idea you've got there, Holly, but I will allow you to expand <laughs> on it and see if it goes we'll anywhere. It. <laughs> um, but I kind of like, I'm working with him. So I kind of start writing songs in my bedroom where I'm sat now. And I've just got my little fat boy here. I've got my... <laughs> Yeah, I've got my 303 drum machine and I've just got like a really simple little interface on my piano. So I kind of just bash around on that and make some make some melodies with my voice um, and like layer stuff up. And then I feel like I've kind of got a little bit of a, a chord progression um, and a beat. That's kind of where I start. And then then I've got a vibe and then I can put down lyrics on top of that or I can take it to Jonas in the studio and we can like build a huge track and then I'll just go in and do a vocal um but I don't know man it always happens differently every time like every time I write a song it's always like either a different inspiration like a book or a word or something or spark something but it's always like writing each song is like starting from scratch Oh, nice. Do you ever um, like sit on the ideas? Do you ever like, I don't know. Yeah. Do you like sit on them for ages or anything? Or you've got loads of voice notes on your phone of like ideas and you can back them or. (laughs) Some of them I would just like never want any of anyone to hear. (laughs) Some of these voice notes I'm like, oh, that's a bit off. But um, yeah, I think like I, I don't know. Yeah, I just kind of. I take whatever's inspiring me in the moment and and just try and like yeah actualize that. I've got I've got this track cuz I've been like stewing for about 3 months at the moment that I just like some songs are so instant and like Thirsty for example was written in about 2 hours with Jonas like just like oh throwing God, different that. ideas down and then some songs like this this other single that I've got stewing at the moment 
I'm like just dabbling and like doing like a couple of lines like every couple of days or something and it's just growing so slowly but I've got I've got time to really mull it over and I think Mm. I don't know yeah some songs really lend to writing them quickly and getting that idea down in the moment so it doesn't become warped or changed but um yeah some songs are just like yeah just like a big Sunday stew that you just like throw the carrots in you go and have a coffee and you come back and put the chicken in and then just sort of like leave it leave it to bubble over for a bit until it's got some flavors like I love it I love it so much I'm looking forward to listening to your your stew of music (laughs) let us know when that one's out In true on repeat style, we have to style it out. Who are you keeping on repeat? Who am I keeping on repeat at the moment? Um, I am in love with a band from Russia called Short Paris. Check them out. They're amazing. He's like a skinhead version of David Bowie in Russia, which is obviously sounds like quite a difficult thing to be. I think it's just him. I think it's just one dude. Um, But he makes like the most interesting sort of like industrial kind of rock but also like quite, uh, yeah, quite Russian, very Russian, I think. He wow. kind of definitely picked that up from it. But I'm like, I'm so into my Russian music at the moment because my boyfriend's obviously obsessed with it. So I've just been digging into Short Paris's back catalogue. So go check them out, he's amazing. Thank you so much, Fable. It was so lovely to it's chat. It's a pleasure, it's um, a pleasure. Thank hope you you've enjoyed our very it. professional amazing. professional podcast <laughs> <laughs> i love it it's so cozy it's great it's so 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 good to chat to you guys you're a bunch of legends and i've really really enjoyed myself i've really enjoyed myself it's been so nice oh i love that episode it was so good so fun Talking to Holly Fable was amazing. Thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. And thank you so much to you, dear listener, for taking time out to listen to this episode. We really hope that you've enjoyed it and that you've enjoyed our 22 episodes that we've had out in 2020. Um, So yeah, do sit back, stay with us. We're going to be having more really exciting guests after Christmas. We'll be back in January. um, And I hope everyone has a lovely Christmas if you're celebrating it. A very healthy and happy start to the new year. And don't forget to give us a rating as well. I know everyone gets so bored in that little period from Christmas to New Year. And listening to podcasts is a perfect way to really just do something different. And if you enjoy it, then please do let us know. Uh, It's really helpful if you give us ratings because it means that other people can find us. Yes, indeed. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We've been on repeat and see you on the flip side. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) Oh, that's a nice ending. It's really cute.